It's Tuesday, April 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Pro, JP Bennett. Gentlemen, how's it going? Hey now. Pretty good. How are you doing today? Good. Good to have you guys here. Uh, we've got a lot to get to today, including earnings from the Container Store and Coach, uh, as well as some wild speculation about how Apple and Chipotle are going to do uh, when earnings come out later today. But we begin with BP and JP. We might as well start with you. Uh, the company reported earnings earlier today, but we were talking before the show. Mm-hmm. You were a little less concerned about the overall earnings numbers and had one number in particular, or one set of numbers, excuse me, in particular that you were looking at. What were they? Yeah, the the. Interesting part of this whole story for me is just kind of the continued effects of the big Gulf spill, right? Mm-hmm. So here we are, what, like five years later, and the company is still paying out tons of money uh, just because of one particular event. And it kind of speaks to the whole thing of maybe you should always be leery of like one time items and things like that, right? <laughs> yeah. um, we kind of knew this would last for a while, but what you saw in the stock, right? The spill happened, the stock got what, like cut in half? Sure. And then it started to recover because people are like, all right, the business is still going to, you know, they're going to recover from this. And this thing continues to linger on. This past quarter, they took what was it, a $917 million hit. Jeez. Um, so far, they've paid out over $56 billion just for this one event. And it, it just kind of continues to linger, and that's just the one thing that really fascinates me. Um, I, there were some other things that the market was like cheering, you know, job cuts and things like that, restructuring, and and to be fair, you know, the one-two punch that they saw this quarter, the other part of it is really out of their control, and the, that's the price of oil. Right. But the one thing that just kind of really fascinated me with this story was just the lingering effects of something that happened five years ago. Yeah, these one-time expenses are mm. really adding up. Like you said, almost a billion dollars this quarter, mm. five years after this spill, and they're still paying out the nose. And to your point about the share price, you know, it got cut in half back in the day, but the company itself has been radically restructured mm-hmm. around both the costs that they're you know taking from this spill but also as you said the oil industry as a whole is just in the gutter right now yep. i think it was a 13 year low for uh, oil prices uh, back in january uh, clearly bp is hurting I guess my question then has to be, how does BP juggle all this? Because this isn't the end of mm-hmm. these charges. We're still going to see one-time charges. I, I was reading about, they're still lining up out the door to sue BP. A lot of those businesses that got affected by the uh, the spill in the Gulf uh, are still looking to charge BP. Plus, it doesn't look like oil's turning around tomorrow, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so, what is BP to do? What are we as investors to do? Well. We can't really control the price of oil, right? So there's not much we can do on that front. You just, when you're dealing with cyclical businesses, you need to just make sure that they're being uh, prudent with cost management and they're not overextending when times are good. So with this one, there really isn't anything that you can do per se. You just need to make sure, and it's good to see that they're trying to cut costs and be more profitable, selling off assets that need you know higher price of oil in order to be profitable. You know, trying to kind of focus in and do what they do. Uh, in more profitable places, mm. but there really isn't much that we can do. And yeah, it's the stock um, with the spill and then the subsequent decline in oil prices. It's lagged af- since the stock got like cut in half. It's lagged S and P by what like eighty percent. Right. So yeah. Um, Hasn't been a very good investment. Not a big winner. Although yeah. I guess the like you said, the bright spots are obviously the business. They're trying to keep mm-hmm. that uh, as tight as possible, and their dividend is still unchanged after all of this. Yep. Uh, it's still I think it's ten cents per share, uh, which is great. But again, uh, with cus- or, excuse me, 
costs uh, being cut. Uh, we've got problems in the oil industry as a whole. I don't know how long that dividend's going to remain unchanged. Eventually, they just need the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to be able to just give it away to their investors. So, BP continues to be a very interesting story, uh, something to watch, though maybe not something to invest in right now. When the cycle turns again, there will be a lot of money <laughs> sure. to be made, but okay. you got to be good at calling the bottom, right? No, um, no, no, I that's... mean, they're still producing a lot of cash, but yeah, um, in pro, we tend to avoid cyclical companies for this exact reason. It's like we can't, you can't predict the price of oil in the next couple of years. Like, go back, you know, one, two years ago, who thought we would be where we are right now as right. far as the price of oil and gas is concerned? Um, if someone says that they knew this was happening, they're probably lying. They're a genius, JP. Yeah. You just be quiet. All right, uh, Jason. Let's talk about the Container Store. They reported earnings. I think it was late Monday. Uh, things look better than expected. Uh, tell me a little bit about the earnings report from the Container Store. Yeah, I mean, at some point, something good had to happen, right? I mean, it's been a spate. <laughs> what a glowing. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, it's been a spate of bad news for this company. Like True. every earnings release has just been not. They've had a really difficult life as a public company in just the short time that they've been public, and unfortunately, I think for investors, you probably have to look at this quarter and say, "Well, it's really not that they've turned a quarter a corner. I think it's just less bad than maybe was expected." Right. And I mean, if you look at expectations, sort of the guidance management setup coming into this quarter, they were expecting comps in the neighborhood of of negative five to negative three percent. Uh, and comps came in basically flat. Guidance going forward is essentially flat. And and I think the question the question regard the question regard to, to whether they're going to actually need to issue some additional equity at some point hasn't been um, put to rest. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that you have to consider if you're an investor or considering investing in this company. So I I think we've always kind of derived, many of us have probably already always looked at, at the container stores. Probably a better company than an investment. I, I like a lot of what uh, they stand for in trying to create a good place for people to work, and they care about their employees. Obviously, uh, that doesn't always translate necessarily to a good investment. I think the concerns, though, um, things that we look for in a good investment, things that I look for in a good investment. I mean, you're looking for pricing power, market opportunity, repeat sales, operating leverage, fiscal health. Smart management; I, those are arguably missing from this from this investment today, and and so when you consider the stock today, even after this pop, and you have to wonder, is this a market beater from today's mm-hmm. price? I don't know that it necessarily is. This isn't the type of investment that I'm necessarily putting at the top of my list. Now, with all of that said. It's better than it's it's been, right? It it, it is getting better. <laughs> Glass half full, <laughs> and, and I mean, I I wanna I wanna I wanna believe, right? Mm-hmm. But but I, they still have plenty of work cut out for them, and I, I just I still it's just such a high ticket item in closet management. It sounds kind of funny just to say closet management, honestly, still, and and you can buy so many of those products at so many different mm-hmm. places that. Uh, again, you see them going on to the the cost cutting uh, message as well. They were able to grow their top line where earnings actually took a hit, and that's not very encouraging. But but again, I, I just think uh, they're they're coming back from a really really uh, deep hole, and um, at some point things have to start looking better 
right? One would hope. Although, well, like you said, I mean, the cost cutting, it doesn't make me thrilled to hear. Like you mentioned, actually, a culture is a big thing yeah. over at the container mm-hmm. store, but part of the cost cutting includes uh, freezing yep. salaries, freezing 401k matches, reductions in payroll. And to your point earlier, the the parts that make that would make the container store a good investment seem to be missing. And to your later point, the parts that make container store a good business also, I'm not sure they're there in that selling selling closet management for hundreds of dollars, uh, it just hasn't gotten buy-in from the wider public yet. Right. I'm not going to go out and ask somebody to manage my closet for hundreds of dollars. I'm going to go to Walmart and buy a couple of plastic bins for five bucks a piece and call it a day. I, I think probably a lot of people will, and and I mean to that point, some of their some of their Higher end solutions. You're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. and you're talking about them actually offering financing products to get these to get these offerings, which uh, that not everybody out there has that that capability, right? So, I mean, we're, we're at a point in time where I think uh, everyone's still a bit sensitive um, to the purse strings, right? Mm-hmm. And and I. I they have to figure out a way to expand their offering. That's I think right. is the yeah. bottom line. Yeah. And and until they can do that, and I'm not sure what that necessarily is. Um, until they can do that, I, I think they're going to continue to kind of run into these buzz saws every quarter, where it's just trying to sort of paint the best picture they can with what's probably not the most attractive market opportunity. Speaking of fantastic market opportunities, <laughs> let's talk about Coach, uh, which also announced earnings. Um, JP, just over the last couple of quarters, you know, the big problem with Coach has been that they've been not giving away their products, but a lot of it has been uh, selling their products at promotional prices, mm-hmm. uh, and that's really hurt their margins. It's really hurt uh, the company as a whole. Uh, but they had to do it because everyone else was doing it. Now we see Coach trying to back away from that, trying to boost their brand, trying to make it this exclusive, uh, cool thing to have again. What it used to be. What it used to be. I, I guess my question is: Is it working? Uh, and if you could tell from the earnings report, um, I mean, this is kind of another case in my, in my opinion of managing expectations. There are signs, but the numbers themselves aren't necessarily the greatest. It's like the first growth in quarterly profits that we've seen in the past three years. That's great, but in North America, you only saw like one percent <laughs> growth. Great, in China, you got two percent growth. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, comps, you know. Finally, we got a flat comp after what was it? After three years of like consecutive decline. So, I mean, they're not you know shoot the shoot the um, ball at the park numbers, but there there is some kind of signs of life. And I think it's really important to see with companies like this that they manage that brand equity. If you're a luxury retailer, what matters? Your brand. That's how you get those margins. And if you go and you dilute that brand equity by just selling a bunch of stuff at, you know, outlet stores for really cheap prices, then you should expect that your brand isn't going to be as cool anymore or as desirable. Uh, I also saw that they're doing similar to the container store, right? They're laying off people. Yeah. Everyone loves job cuts because that means you know better margins and stuff like that. Uh, they're also getting rid of their CEO, COO and their president of global marketing, digital, and consumer experience. That's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> And when times are tough, people also love to see, you know, the the hot shots, the big people in the company, you know, get handed their letters of resignation. So, um, it's it's a mixed bag, but 
there are some signs if you if you think that you you do like this company there are things that you can find in their earnings report and say hey you know we finally on the upswing now. <laughs> hey, I think yeah. I think the biggest challenge for Coach. I mean, you, you hit on it right there when you said luxury retailer. I mean, there was a time ago when they were sort of that luxury mm-hmm. retailer. They were, I, I guess, affordable luxury was what we always referred to. But at some point, I mean, if you're selling your stuff in um, you know outlet stores, I mean, how luxury really are you, right? right. So. I mean, we've hit a point where you you have to view Coach more like a Ralph Lauren mm-hmm. and less like a Tiffany. Hmm. The, the, and and I don't know that they get that brand equity back because once you start discounting and giving away things, a la Michael Kors, and you're right, they were competing with with the likes of Michael Kors to kind of get that that market share um, because that was essentially their market. They were making this pivot into becoming a um a lifestyle company and there's a market for that. Yep. Um but you have to approach that a bit differently as an investor because gone are the days of pricing power, gone are the days of of inflated margins and and being able to expect those for longer periods of time. And so now they've got to focus more on selling more things at lower prices and cutting costs all along the way. So it, it's not to say this can't be successful. Um, but you certainly have to ratchet back your expectations because it's a much different investment story than it was five years ago. Right, right. Jason, you wake up on Christmas morning. Yes, Santa Claus has been through. <laughs> uh, he's dropped you off some lovely presents. And I was, I was good this year. You were. You're, you're great. Uh, <laughs> and in, in the stockings hanging above your fireplace, uh, two stockings, one filled with stock to coach, the other filled with stock. To the container store, mm. which one are you keeping, and which one are you using the gift receipt for? <laughs> um, I, I mean, for me, it would be clearly Coach. Hmm. Like, I think the opportunity that is there is there for far more sales, uh, bigger market opportunity, um, more more brand power there. I just think that's a generally speaking an easier path to success, whereas the container store is is not a Clear path whatsoever. Mm-hmm. JP, you haven't been nearly as good as Jason, but you find the same stocks <laughs> in your stockings. What do you do? Nope, you can't keep either. That's why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd return both. Um, if I had to pick, I'd probably go with Coach. I mean, hmm. and they also have the added benefit of at least they're operating within an industry where consumers are extremely fickle and tastes tend to just rotate. Right, what's hot one one season is. A bust the next couple, but then it's hot again a couple years down the road. So it's like there is the potential for some type of comeback. I don't really think that you'll ever return to kind of the pie in the sky days where it's like we have this great brand, you know, awesome margins, and we have this awesome additional opportunity of starting to sell our things in outlet stores with lower prices. And so we're going to get the best of both worlds. I think they need to realize that you can't really have both. To the extent that you want, you kind of have to pick between the two, right. and I think they're tr- trying to kind of figure that out. But I think there is still uh, potential there with that one, with the container store. I mean, it's something where I've never been into a store. I have zero interest in going to a store, and so it's hard for me to kind of get enthused about that type of company. But you sound so enthusiastic, JP. 
Well, thank you. I try. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up with Apple and Chipotle. Both report earnings after the close today, uh, so we don't have any hard numbers to report on right mm-hmm. now. Well, let's make some up. Let's speculate yeah. wildly, shall we? <laughs> uh, Jason, what is the one thing you're waiting to hear about from Apple? Uh, is it going to be like everybody's saying? Is it going to be the iPhones? Are you looking at the iWatch? Are you looking at the iPad? What are you looking at? So. I- I think I mean well the the biggest question for Apple is going to be I mean we're expecting the iPhone uh, to sort of turn in some less than stellar mm. numbers for the first time like it ever right. and 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 if that is in fact the case I mean I think we have to start wondering what is Apple's next iPhone I mean I, I think it's safe to say it's not going to be the watch I think the watch is pretty much Met the expectations that I, I always laid out for it. I said I, I've always thought it would just do kind of okay. I'm not impressed by it, and I mean I think it probably, you know, got some early adopters, um, but it's not going to be anything that really drives um, the top line at all. So then it's a matter of what is the next iPhone for these guys because that is 65 to 70 percent of the of the sales numbers year in and year out. Right. And and honestly, I mean just from a consumer's perspective, I, mean, I don't know what really disrupts that. Interface, right? That's a very convenient thing to have your smartphone, and they do a wonderful job with it. But, but what, what is next for them? Because I, I don't know that their closed ecosystem is as attractive as maybe it once was. Mm-hmm. And you know, I look at things like what Amazon's doing with their Echo, and I'm a big Echo fanboy. I think everybody here knows that. And and I feel like Apple has just been asleep at the wheel when it comes to connected home. Uh, Opportunities there. I think people want to talk about Apple Car. I mean, what? I mean, seriously? Like, like <laughs> it's, it's going to be the next big thing. <laughs> like Tesla is already so ahead of everyone in that in that regard. I just I think that's way harder than people think. Just because a company has all of these financial resources doesn't mean they can do whatever they want. And remember that most all of the, that money that they have on their balance sheet is is, is overseas anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's really at some point Tim Cook has got to. Quit framing how many iPhones they've sold and how that applies to us in days and months and years, and 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 start telling us a little bit more about what they see um, for the future. Because I mean, no one really cares about the the thinnest iMac, right? I mean, you? at some point, like that becomes not really innovation, and it's just like it's size has become the innovation. Business. They need to come mm-hmm. up with something new. And I mean, I. I love my iPhone. Don't get me wrong. I just I, I think the question is very fair. Like, what's next for these guys? Sure. Uh, and let's turn to Chipotle. JP, what's your favorite Chipotle meal? What do you like when you go in there? Uh, the California sushi roll, right? <laughs> oh wait, no, that's the Italian place, oh, right? JP, have you never been to a Chipotle before? I can't say that I have. Was it the E. coli that scared you away? No, I. Certainly, you knew Chipotle before that. I mean, yeah, you've clearly been. I've never stepped foot inside of (laughs) Chipotle. JP, do you? I mean, do you hate America? I was gonna say you're you're an American male. This is you should. You've been to Chipotle, right? What's wrong with you? I don't know. Millennials. I really, oh I really God. don't know. He's too hip. I, like I guess Chipotle. so. Yeah, it's it's not. He's it's not too hip cool. For I Chipotle. like this. This is a guy that we need to sway now. Uh-huh. But but have you ever looked at Chipotle as a potential investment, or or do you feel like there's something that uh, makes this sort of an obvious idea going forward? Um, I would say that we've looked at it for like pro and options in the past. Uh, we got. Increasingly interested once the stock um, got hammered after the E. coli incident and things like that. But 
Um, it's really a case where you've seen instances like this in the past where, what was it, like in like the 90s? What, what was that one? Jack in the Box, right? The they Box, had yeah. that huge incident. And it, sure. it took them a couple of years, but they did ultimately recover. So that's kind of the, the thing that we're kind of looking at and we're trying to get a better feel for is how is this going to shake out? Because we really don't know. And especially in, you know, a, the digitally connected world that we live in where it took like, you know, a couple of minutes and then the news was absolutely everywhere. And how is that going to impact people all over the globe and kind of their preference for uh, and what if it happens food? again? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to believe if it, it happens again. If well, you, if you want to, if you want to <laughs> not get struck by lightning, you probably go to a place that has been struck by lightning, right? Like, okay. I, mean, I think there's something mm-hmm. there. Probably Chipotle at this point, I would think, is one of the safer places to eat. But that's not etched in stone. I mean, mm-hmm. if if something like this happens again, it it Mm-mm. could be brutal. Yeah, right? and I feel like to a large extent places like that it becomes like a habit right it becomes kind of ingrained into what you do as a daily basis and so you don't really think about it so much it's just like all right i'm off work i'm hungry i'm going to chipotle i've gone there a bunch of times so you gotta wonder to what extent did those you know instances with the company and their food safety kind of impact those habits and to the extent that they changed those habits and new habits were created so it's i'm not going to chipotle i'm going to i don't know Somewhere else, right? We're, Panera, we're, right? Sure. Okay. Um, what's going to get them to kind of revert back? It well, they're giving a lot of food yeah, away. I was going to say, they, they're spending a <laughs> lot you, of money to get those people back. Yeah, have you gotten any of those of course, free burritos? I've got a dozen yeah, of them. Sure. It's been fantastic. You think E. coli is going to scare me away from <laughs> free Chipotle well, I was going to say, it never scared it's me from the, the get-go. I probably no. went a little bit more during these, during <laughs> these no times lines. because there were yeah. no lines. Might as well. <laughs> but uh, I did notice like the one store near our house for the longest time after this, I could see just mm-hmm. boots on the ground. There was just zero traffic mm-hmm. there. And the last time I went there, probably a couple of weeks ago, I noticed that traffic had picked up considerably. And so then, sort of taking it to the next level, I'm trying to figure out how many people are paying with those cards. And interestingly, I mean, there are only a few people actually getting free burritos. Most people were paying with their credit cards or debit cards or whatever. So, you know, maybe that maybe the trend is is sort of reversing. I, I have this notion that they're going to paint a pretty good quarter uh, here in a in a picture of recovery, mm-hmm. which. Um, you know who knows how that plays out, but but these guys are, are nothing if not glass half full guys. So, mm-hmm. well, it sounds like good advice, Jason. But JP, I'm just never going to listen to you again. You've never been to a Chipotle, so you've lost well, my trust. We know how to well, fix that. Yeah, obviously, I know what we're doing for lunch. Today. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. going to be fantastic. All right, Jason Moser, JP Bennett, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by. Dan Boyd. I'm Mark Reef. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.